0: At bay
1: the Tampa Bay bucks Super Bowl 55
2: hello and welcome back to another edition of the bucks banter podcast this is our 34th episode shout out to Ernest Graham the last Tampa Bay Buccaneer I can recall uh, who rocked the three4 for the pewter and red uh, we're gonna be talking plenty of bucks and bills we want to preview this this big time matchup in week 14 is it a potential super bowl preview i know how the bills have been trending some people would argue that that isn't a valid title uh but i think this is the nfl and i think they've got plenty of talent and they're certainly a team that the buccaneers should be worried about um what do you think scott is that too far to say that potential super bowl preview have you taken that off the table or is that what do you think
1: well hello there First of all, uh, you know, happy Friday to everyone out there listening. Uh, happy holidays, getting into the spirit. And, um, yeah, to answer your question, as of right now, I would have to not consider the Bills a contender. Not saying that they can't get there. Obviously, I'm not saying that they haven't shown flashes. They've beaten some good teams. But lately, their last month and a half or so, I don't know what anyone is seeing that would make them um, – believe that they can beat some of these top teams in the AFC to actually get to the Super Bowl
2: yeah it's interesting and I want to talk I want to talk about just sort of the contenders a little bit later I want to just I want to have that discussion this episode you know
1: who's who are real contenders in our eyes and kind of compare the AFC we're getting into the time there's only a handful of games left like this it I mean I know happens every year but the season just like jumps up on you and it's you know, you get to the halfway point and all of a sudden and then look at us like we have four or five games or four or five weeks left. It's it's absolutely insane. And yeah, we gotta start we can start looking at potential division clinches coming up, potential matchups depending on seeding, and uh certainly can determine who we like best from uh from a contender's point of view.
2: Yeah, man. This season has flown by me. Yeah. Like like Scotty Miller flying by Kevin King on a go-route in the NFC Championship game. Like, just... Whoosh, so, I can't wait, really... so
1: so easily and untouched? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Good, good. Nice. Kevin yeah. King, there you
2: go. Uh, in terms of the injury report, I think that's a good place to start off. Sure. Uh, yeah, plenty of stuff there. I'm sure some people maybe are well aware of, and maybe some are not. So, um, Jordan Whitehouse out Jordan Whitehead still out no surprise there that injury was deemed as significant don't know a ton uh, but he's gonna be out for a little bit Jamel Dean uh, and Jalen Darden are both questionable for the game as they are still in concussion protocol so they haven't been practicing you know not practicing all week clearly with concussions and dealing with the protocols required uh, in order for a player to get cleared Um, that could go Either way, I guess. I mean, they're not going to be mm. practicing if they're in the protocol. Doesn't necessarily yeah. rule them out, but the fact they haven't practiced is never ideal. Clearly, I think Jamel Dean more of a concern there for for the Bucks. Um,
1: yeah, by Friday is usually a pretty good indicator uh, if if the you know if they practice whether or not they're going to be out there for Sunday. So who knows? Who knows? But you would probably with, lean with, towards not.
2: Yeah, but with most injuries, that's absolutely the case. But with concussions, you know they got to clear that. Concussion's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. Charlie Tercio, or Tercio, pardon me. My friend uh says, "What's up, fellas on Facebook? Charles, happy to have you with us on this Friday night for some Bucks banter." Uh good reminder for anyone who is watching along, hit us up in the comments. We are we are here for you. We want to talk Bucks football, NFL, fantasy betting. Uh we got our betting guru here. He's got his his betting goggles on, ready to oh, dive sad. into that. No wonder I can't
1: see, yeah, if they're the betting (laughs) goggles, yeah, seriously.
2: Um, But yeah, so William Golston and Ryan Jensen did both return to practice today, so as Cap just mentioned, you know, always a good sign, uh, though on a limited basis, but they took the field on a Friday, so far from guaranteed. We've seen this happen um, in weeks previous from guys who, who didn't end up playing. I think both of those are really important players for the Buccaneers. Uh, Ryan Jensen, of course, you know, all pro yeah. caliber the last couple of years at the center position. Yeah. And I think, you know, the importance of, of of Tom Brady and just for that continuity of that offensive line to have their anchor in the middle is huge. Uh, and his, his ankle is a bit of an issue. If I, if I got to place a wager, though, not knowing a damn thing about the intricacies of his ankle injury, I mean, Jensen is – just a beast. I almost feel like he'd rather play in pain than than play without pain. He's that kind I, of guy.
1: I, yeah, I would. I would lean just to, based on what I was reading today that he would probably aim to play. I would lean that way as well. But that'd be huge. I mean, I don't. I, you know what? To be honest, like, what's the backup plan? What's going on if he can't go?
2: Great question. And no one really knows for sure. So, <laughs> uh, like, all Mar- centerless.
1: Yeah. Brady's just gonna spike it or just gonna hut the ball to himself. Fair enough.
2: I mean Ali Marpet, you know, another all pro player at the guard position, left guard, he he has played center in the past. He's done it for mm-hmm. a whole season. Um he he has the ability to do it. However, they also drafted Robert Haynesy but I really haven't heard much from him since the season started and they drafted him. He was a tackle at Notre Dame, but he yeah. he has, he has five position flexibility along the offensive line. That's why they drafted him to just be a swing linesman lineman. Uh, um, okay. So, you know, his versatility is, is what they saw in him. However, he's a rookie and I don't know. I really don't know. There hasn't been much talk about that. Me um, are back in the comments. What there is going is. on me? Good to see you, buddy. Um, I'm surprised you came on here because you can't quite troll Scott and his Michigan Wolverines the same as you have in the past. Uh, it's it's nice to, to
1: have you back me. Sidor. <laughs> it is nice to have you back.
2: Um. So yeah, uh, Charles Tercio, again, we're going through it right now in terms of, he's asking what's the secondary look like. So uh, uh, Richard Sherman is going to be back. He's off IR. And the talk last week was about him, you know, taking reps at safety and practice. So, which leads mm-hmm. me into, you know, we already mentioned Jordan Whitehead out, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, especially of a safety group. Um, and Mike Edwards is still suspended for another two games, along with Antonio Brown, due to the suspensions uh, for, as everyone knows, for- forging COVID vaccination documents. I mean, I don't even want to get into that bullshit because it's so stupid and, and of them on their part, and they're lucky to only be out that many games. But for, for Mike Edwards, like A-B aside, let's not get an A-B because we know A-B is an unpredictable cat based on his uh, his his recitation. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Well, but Mike Edwards, man, what an opportunity you have right now with a depleted secondary. Um, and, I mean, for him to – obviously, he didn't time it for now, but th- this is why you don't make dumbass decisions. Um, when you're a player playing on a rookie deal with an incredible opportunity this year, he's been balling out when he's in there had great opportunities he's a turnover machine and and right now Whitehead's out you know it could be it could be uh him and Winfield patrolling the back end of the defense like that's how you get paid man that's how you get paid that's how you make a name for yourself so that one really frustrates me
1: yeah and uh, instead he's out here forging passports like he's Pablo Escobar like it's just such, I don't understand it man it's just such a such a bizarre decision such a bizarre course of action to take from whatever you know it's it's you're right we don't have to get into all of that but yeah it's really too bad it it would have been a great spot for him obviously to to step in and really really show what he's got
2: and while we're talking about the secondary Corey hall on facebook says i think sherman at safety is good i just don't trust the speed if he's playing middle third you know Corey, the thing with sherman and his speed is sherman's never been fast right and i and i don't disagree with you in terms of like him moving to the safety making sense i mean Cause just because the cornerback position is so demanding um athletically, whereas you can kind of get away with being that savvy and intel- highly intelligent player based on the anticipation and knowing the knowing the offense things that Sherman's made a career out of, but he's never been fast. And, and so I'm not, this isn't to disagree. It's just to say, um that doesn't scare me because he's never been fast. Yeah. Um, But you're right. It depends on the defensive look. So we got to trust, you know, Buccaneers fans have to trust that um God, I almost said Lovey Smith for some reason. Ooh. Uh what is going Ooh. on? Well, that top at least Bull- he didn't Todd say
1: Bull- Greg Ciano or something. Yeah, I don't
2: know, man. Lovey's lovey's just as bad. He was so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but uh Todd Bowles, you know, it's his job to, to find ways to get creative and mask these issues. And the Buccaneers, like, let's be real, folks. The Buccaneers have been dealing with these issues for some time now, all season, really. And they just and got Carlton. Carlton back, who was fantastic in his first game back, Carlton Davis.
1: Yeah, and sorry, the Sherman thing might just be out of lack of options, right? Like it, it, it comes down to what are they going to have to do? Like what, what hands are they going to have to play here? Like they might literally just be forced into putting him at safety. And all right, let's you know, ten-year veteran or however long he's been in the league. Let's hope you can just figure it out, and we'll go from there. uh Obviously, the speed could potentially be a concern, but like you said. He's never been known for that. Um, it is a different position. Obviously, it's not just gonna be some easy, you know, A to B transition. But, you know, he's been with the team a little bit longer now, even though he has been hurt. Maybe, maybe he can step in. But I'm more thinking, like I said before, maybe that's all they can do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, me Cedor on Facebook says John Lynch wasn't fast either, but being cerebral and knowing angles and route trees makes up for. Lack of speed. I think we're all in agreement on that—that you can make up for your lack of speed, but more so at the safety position than the cornerback position. So it could be a good move. Like I'm curious to see, you know, how much Richard Sherman sees the field, and if so, uh, where he plays. Pierre Desir. Just talking about the secondary in general. Pierre Desir looked really good last week. He's had a couple. He's he's really impressed me this week. He's outperformed Dee Delaney in terms of you know those guys who were brought in um, more or less due to injuries piling up on the back end of this Buccaneers defense and um you know the Carlton Davis being back Sean Murphy bunting I mean I have issues with Sean Murphy bunting in terms of how he's played Jamel Dean has over exceeded expectations you know he's an analytics darling they love him he's always grading out high on PFF one of the most one he's like a top 10 corner according to most analytics models and he's had enough snaps um for that to actually matter as opposed to previous years where he graded out really high but he barely played
1: yeah bigger big enough sample size now
2: yeah and and Jamel Dean's not a it's he's funny right because you watch Jamel Dean he doesn't move with the the fluidity or the natural uh movement skills that I'm not like Jalen Ramsey or just any elite athlete does who plays that position, you know what I mean like um but but he clearly gets the job done um and I've been happy with him, so anyway that's that's fantastic uh to have him if we can get him back that would be fantastic. Pair him with Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting, uh, get get some, get him in the nickel, and be able to shift some guys around. And of course, Ross Cockrell is another option to play at the safety position for the Buccaneers. But we we need him to step up also. So we got bodies, we got bodies. It's not going to be an excuse anymore. Um, we got to move on. We got to recognize. And I keep saying we, but I'm talking to Bucks fans because I am one. I'm not pretending I'm not to be a Bucks
1: fan. This is if there is ever space where you could where you could drop weeds it's it's on this podcast man like this is this is the time this is the place
2: that's why we did it right so i could say we and not not feel
1: exactly that's the whole that's the whole point literally
2: um well we're 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 expecting a guest anytime now um uh uh, we got some bills mafia representation going to be coming on the show matt marchese um, does a lot of good work. Uh, oh, speak of the devil. Perfect timing from Matt. So we're going to bring in bring in a Bills fan, a sports media personality, professional personality at that. And we're going to just chop it up a little bit about this Bucks-Bills matchup because it's going to be a doozy. And I think um, Matt will have a lot of uh, valuable insight to offer. Uh, so if you have questions specifically about the Bucks, uh, go ahead and at. Add- Sorry, the Bills. Pardon me. Thank you, sir. Go yeah. ahead. This is your chance to ask. So um, let's just shift us around here. All righty. So, yeah, now it's time to welcome in a special guest of the show. As mentioned, he is a producer and host for Canada's top sports talk radio station based out of Toronto, the Fan 590. Uh, longtime listener. First-time caller, personally. <laughs> He's also the host of the Front for Fantasy podcast, a loyal member of Bills Mafia, and now a welcome guest of the Bucks Banner podcast, making his first appearance on the show to help us break down this tasty week 14 matchup between the Buffalo Bills and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Marchese.
0: Welcome to the show, Matt. Wow. Professional broadcaster. That was a bit of a reach. I mean, it was a little bit of a reach.
2: (laughs) Isn't it a job interview? Isn't that the whole point of this?
0: I mean, it could be whatever we want it to be, guys. We have free rein here, so let's ju- let's true. do our
2: worst. It's Friday night, okay. right? Friday
0: yeah, but, night, Matt. Friday yeah. night, we're ready to go. Let's roll. Let's roll. And thanks for having me on, guys. I'm uh, very much looking forward to this. Nothing, nothing gets my blood boiling more than talking about the Buffalo Bills right now. So it's a it's a good uh, it's a good Friday.
1: I was right. about, uh, and you know, like you, Colin and I were talking before the show, just. So many potential bills, angles, and, and and spots you can go to. I first thing I want to talk about is just what do you, where do you think the Bills are at after that? Obviously, weird, bizarre street fight, snowball fight of a game in in Western New York, and then six days later you got to fly down and play in Florida against the Super Bowl champs. It just seems like such a strange spot for them.
0: They are at a crossroads right now, yeah. Because and it's weird to say because I look at that game against the Patriots and I'm like, the weather was so unpredictable. How can you say that the offense is one way or another? I know the running game sucks, but that the running game has sucked for the past three seasons. So what's new? Um, I think the biggest the biggest reason why they're at a crossroads is is that I think teams have figured them out, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh opposing defenses, which they're gonna have their hands full this week against the Bucks because the Bills' offensive line has been dreadful. Um, Spencer Brown just came back, it was his first game in I think he missed the previous two, but he's missed a lot of time this year. But he's been good when he's been in the lineup.
1: When he's there, yeah. Yeah,
0: but he he hasn't been there. The best ability is availability, as they say, right? So the thing that I look at with this team is they are not winning in the trenches, whether it be on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. The defensive line is just getting run all over. We saw what the Patriots did. We saw what um, the Colts did. Jonathan Taylor went nuts on them. So I look at that and that's the tipping point right now, because when a team figures out or when teams figure out how to beat you, that's the worst thing that can happen because mm-hmm. we know the bills offensively are one dimensional They're They throw the ball really well and I guess you could throw in the caveat that maybe they're not one-dimensional, but they're certainly not three-dimensional. Josh Allen can run the ball, but nobody else can. Part of that's on the offensive line, and part of that's on a lack of talent. Um, And then on the defensive line, I mean, I don't know what to say anymore because they were really good at stopping the run for the better part of this season. But when, when you look at the two losses against Indy and New England, those are glaring. Those are not like... Oh, it was just one week because now it's happened twice and yeah. it looks really bad. The loss of Tredavious White in the in you know in their past defense is a huge loss. But I think the biggest thing for them right now is it does feel like they kind of lack an identity right now. And if you're a team with Super Bowl aspirations, still looking for an identity, not a good thing. Look at Kansas City. Kansas City's figured it out. Now they're now they're a defensive juggernaut, apparently. Yeah.
1: You know, they're not and,
0: and their offense can't get going. But at yeah, least just, the defense is playing well.
1: Just like we all saw coming. Of course, know, yeah. Kansas City leaning on the defense. We all knew that was going to be the way they would get back into that one seed conversation in the AFC. Totally, yeah. normal, totally and who, normal. And who yeah. and who thought it would be Melvin Ingram that would be the guy who was barely playing for that awful Steelers
0: defense? I guess Pittsburgh needed Melvin Ingram more than they thought they did. No. Because oh, now God. they can't stop a nosebleed. And the Chiefs look like the 80, 85 Bears.
1: Yeah, it's it's it's. Well, yeah, bizarre league, stupid sport. Anything can happen. Like, seriously, how are you supposed to predict it? It's absolutely unreal. But sorry, Colin, just to step in, just everything Matt was saying about the Bills makes so much sense about a lack of identity. And now that defense has to go down to Tampa and play an offense that will gladly beat you either way. If they will, obviously you can have Brady picking you apart with the pass and their 17 Pro Bowl receivers that they have. You got Leonard Fournette looking like, uh, you know, he's, playing the best football of his life right now. I don't, it's just, I mean, I don't, I, it, the only way Buffalo stays in this game, I think they have to get out to a 10 point lead and then just see if they can hold them off. Yeah. I think though,
0: I want to say that, I want to say that make the Pats pass, uh, the, uh, the Bucks pass, but I mean, that, that doesn't really solve any of your problems right now. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a game that if the Bills want to win or if they believe that they can win, they're going to need to score 35-plus points. That's just how I see it because I'll I'll tell you guys this. When Tom Brady went from New England to Tampa Bay, there was like like this weight that was lifted off of the (laughs) Buffalo Bills. The The division. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen now as a Bills fan is losing to the Patriots without Tom Brady, and then the following week, losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady. That city will be rioting if that happens. And you know what? There's a very good chance that that can happen. They're just – I I look at both teams, and I watch a lot of Tampa Bay just because I'm an NFL guy, and I like to watch good teams. And I'm a fantasy guy, so I have to watch good teams. But – I, I see what the what the I keep saying the Patriots because I just yeah. see this as Tom Brady's offense yeah. that he had with Josh yeah. McDaniels. And they've turned Leonard Fournette into a weapon again. Leonard, Fournette, everybody thought Leonard Fournette was dead once he left Jacksonville. He lands in Tampa Bay and all of a sudden it's like, oh, hold on a second. This guy, this guy's pretty good still. I don't think he was ever not that good. Jacksonville just sucks. So you look at the offense and it's like, okay, so. So we're going to try and double Mike Evans. Okay, great. Now Chris Godwin's open. Or Rob Gronkowski's open. Oh, but we're going to take away the pass. We'll let you beat us on the ground. And then Leonard Fournette takes over. I just don't see a scenario. Like the Bills, they have to play. They have to play their best game of the season. And they haven't beaten a lot of good teams yet. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Titans. They lost to the Patriots. They lost to Jacksonville, for God's sake. So there's a lot of there's a lot of bad when I look at this team and say, I haven't seen a complete game from them since Washington. And that was like week six, I think. So it's been, it's not the same team, even though it is the same team, but other teams have figured out how to play against them. And the fact that their run defense is so bad right now, I just don't see a scenario in which, you know, the bills are going to be able to, you know, stay in a lot of football games. And that pains me to say it, but it feels like the truth right now
2: the uh you're right about like the you know they have Lenny Lenny's kind of net. he's kind of looking like a blend between uh if you if you were to combine LeGarrette Blunt in New England with James White like he's catching the ball and he's punishing at the same time i love to compare Lenny to two different running backs i do it every week uh, last week it was, I think it was like Marshall Falk and Jim Brown. So,
0: oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's hold on a second. He's good, but I mean, is he yeah. getting the call to Canton tomorrow? I'm to no, hold I, off on that.
2: <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just being stupid. So, um, I was gonna ask, like, despite there are, you know, what, what I think it sounds quite clear that you feel are underwhelming results for this team, the Bills. Um, if you still consider them Super Bowl contenders, like, do you think it's do you think it's possible still? Do they have time to write the ship? Or are you just so down right now, Matt, on this team and how they're playing? Um, do you think it's not gonna be possible this season?
0: If I'm being if I can be blunt with you guys, I would be happy if they make the playoffs right now. Yeah that's that's where it's it's trending because the schedule isn't it's not horrible going forward. I mean, it sucks this week because you have the Bucks, but then you finish off with you still got to play the Jets, you still got to play the Patriots, you got to play the Falcons, and you got to play the Panthers. So it's not as if it's Murderer's Row to finish off the year. But if they finish ten and seven, they're going to need some help. Yeah, and there is a chance that that happens.
1: Yeah. That sorry, and like you know, I'm in. Uh, let's call it holiday work at mode or holiday mode at work. Uh, you know, the last week or two. So I was looking at some possible playoff scenarios and what teams need to happen. And 10 and seven is not a guarantee at all. And you're, yeah, exactly. As Matt said, Panthers, Falcons, jets, you, you'd like to chalk those three up as wins, but with the way they're playing right now, who knows? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like th- you can't just give those to them. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it's wild to think that we're in a spot where the, where the bills are going to be clawing for a playoff spot, but you know, with that, uh, at least we have the extra wild card now. Right. So uh, yeah. one extra team in each conference will be happy, but still. So Scott, so, you
2: looking at, sorry, but you looking no, at hypothetical playoff scenarios. You, you're blaming that on, on holiday work mode. You tell me you're not doing that in September, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, maybe a little bit more in December is all I'm saying, you know, a longer lunch, perhaps two to you know three hours, give or take, you know, just looking at, uh, who the Bengals are playing, et cetera. Trying to see if any sort of Jamar chase bet that I made is, is, is looking to cash, just stuff like that. You know, typical Christmas stuff. What can I say? I don't know what else.
0: Not Christmas shopping, Christmas betting. That's the way we do
1: things. They're one and the same in this household, Matt. So yeah, uh, people, people have said that I've been on vacation since January.
0: So, I mean, I can't, I can't really, I can't really be pot calling the kettle black here. Like it, (laughs) it
1: doesn't, it doesn't work here. Um, yeah. Uh, I just want to ask. Here's here's one that's a little bit point blank. Do you think McDermott is a good coach? Hmm. I think I think he is because. Okay. I think
0: he. The caveat is is that I think he's made some bad decisions the last couple weeks. I also think that against the Patriots, there were a couple of calls that went against the bill that went. You know not in the Bill's favor. There was an offside. Matthew Judon was offside, and Josh Allen, everybody in the stadium thought he was offside. They should have got the penalty on the free play. Didn't end up happening, or wasn't a free play. Um, yeah. the, the big one for me was the one that they challenged, which was the Mac Jones. It was a bad spot. It was a really like on that now. We see the TV angle and it looked like a really bad spot, but you can't
1: challenge that play either. I, that's matt that's exactly what I said. That I texted call, and it's like you need every timeout in this game, you you know, p- to potentially get the ball back. There is almost zero chance that you're going to be 100 percent sure that you're going to get uh, in, like um, evidence to overturn that call. You can't take that chance. It's just not worth it. I couldn't. Oh, that, I thought that was such a bad mistake. It was. But having said that,
0: I think that Sean McDermott because. Not all of coaching is X's and O's. It's about guys wanting to play for you. It's about guys wanting to go through a wall. That's why I look at, and this is going to sound really crazy, but I like Dan Campbell as a coach because (laughs) I think that guys want to play for him. That team sucks. They have almost zero talent on that team, but they play hard for him every single week. And I think that you get that out of Sean McDermott. I really do. So I think he's a good football man. Listen, the proof is in the pudding. The the defense has been really good with, with McDermott and Leslie Frazier over the course of their tenure. The offense has come along with Brian Dayball. So, I mean, as a whole, I do think that Sean McDermott is a good coach. Does he make some bad decisions? Yeah, sure. He does. It, it, It happens, but I do think that he is the right guy for this team. At the end of the day, Sean McDermott, Brian Dayball, they're not the guys that are going out and picking these running backs. They're not the guys that are going out and signing these defensive linemen. They're, you know, like that, they they are given the hand that they are dealt and they play with it. That's what they're doing. You know, I think I think a lot of the blame on, you know, the way that the offense has gone specifically is the lack of being able to draft a running back. You spent Back-to-back third round picks on running backs in in consecutive years, and those guys haven't been good. I really thought that Zach Moss was going to be good and he mm-hmm. hasn't done anything. And I don't know, I don't know how much of that is also part of the way that the offensive line is built because we look at Cleveland and and you know, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are great. There's no question about that. But Dearness Johnson comes in and starts and runs all over the Denver Broncos. And then he got another start and had another great week. So how much of it is a lack of talent that the Bills have at the running back position? And how much of it is a lack of talent that they have maybe on the offensive line? Let's not forget, they got rid of Wyatt Teller for like a fifth round pick. And Wyatt Teller is a Pro Bowl offensive lineman in, oh no, Cleveland. So I think there's... (laughs) I think McDermott's a good coach. I think he's playing with the hand he's dealt, but I think that the the front office deserves you know, as much criticism as the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and the head coach for the guys that they're putting out on the field.
2: Yeah, Wyatt Teller, that one's got to sting a little bit because he's potentially the best run blocker in football, as a, you know what I mean, and one of the best interior offensive linemen in the game right now uh, alongside that unit. And I'm glad you brought up the front office because I was actually going to ask you about Brandon Bean because I feel like it's been very much you know cherries and sunshine or whatever that saying is in terms of like his reputation amongst bills mafia buffalo bills fans and really throughout the nfl cuz he's done a good job right he's built them into a legitimate contender they were last season played played the chiefs tough and then coming into this year they had really high expectations do you think it seemed like his his priority was quite clear in terms of addressing the defensive line in terms of this past nfl draft there were rumblings however at that time that They had their eyes on Travis Etienne. Obviously, he didn't make their make it to that point. They took Gregory Rosso, who it seems like most people are happy with, and he's helped that team. They took uh Epinesa, Epenza, I forget how to say his name.
0: And they took Epinesa the year before another the year before.
2: End. Would yeah. you have would you have rather in hindsight them taking a guy like Javante Williams? Or is it not necessarily draft capital? This is more just they need to it's just funny, right? I see a lot of parallels just coming from a, a Fournette and Ronald Jones timeshare last year. And, and we've talked about it on this podcast, it has been incredibly relieving and just like a breath of fresh air to just have a bell cow. And I didn't care which one it was. I was more team Ronald Jones coming into this year. Um, yeah. But but to see, you know, just kind of the stability that brings to let one guy run wild. And I think it affects running backs more than people
0: realize, regardless of the offensive line. Just, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on that. So, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I went into the season going, okay, Zach Moss is going to be the guy. Zach Moss, when he played last year, was half-assed decent and he got he got hurt in the preseason again and he was hurt for the majority of last season and then got hurt at the end of last season so it it's been a really rocky start but i'm going into the season going okay we know what the bill's biggest problem is they can't get any pressure on the quarterback and that's why they lost to the chiefs because patrick mahomes was able to do basically whatever the hell he wanted and that's how i felt coming into the season so I was fine with the Rousseau pick. I was even fine with the Boogie Basham pick that they made in the second round. I had no issue with that. I was fine with the Epinesa pick the year before because, you know, everybody had a first-round grade on him, and he just tumbled to them. And the way that the Bills run their defense is they don't have guys dominating snaps. It's it's very rotational, very interchangeable to keep guys fresh. So I understand that. But you can get value in the third round with running backs because everybody says, well, you could just you could just draft a running back in the fifth round and they'll and you'll find something. And the Bills just haven't hit that guy in the third round. So I don't think it's I don't yeah. think it's draft capital that's the issue. I think it's talent evaluation at that specific position. Because we can we can say that we can look at Brandon Bean's track record and say this team was built in in Brandon Bean's image. This is what he's wanted and they've made the playoffs. Everybody in and their uncle said that Josh Allen was going to be a bust. Josh Allen sucks. He's not an accurate quarterback. He's never going to be able to play at the NFL level. You wasted a first-round pick on him. Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. <laughs> so I think Brandon Bean has, has gotten himself a lot of free beer because of that pick. And probably for a long time in Buffalo because this is the franchise quarterback that they haven't had since Jim Kelly. So he's also made some other moves, like in hindsight, like you look at Justin Jefferson and what he's done in Minnesota, and you'd say, wow, he would look really good on the Buffalo Bills right now. But that trade at the time made a ton of sense for the Bills. Go out and get Stephon Diggs, go out and get a legit all pro wide receiver. And it worked this season. I feel like they've kind of gotten away from throwing him the ball 10 times a game, which they should be. (laughs) But, you know, like I I look at, I just look at the way that they've done it. If they just had, I want to say better talent evaluators, but I'm, I'm no talent evaluator. I just, what I see on the field is what I, you know, make my assessments on. And those guys just aren't talented enough. Like Matt Breida has been the most explosive back and you got him off the scrap heap.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's I, Singletary. I even thought like I, I thought showed promise early on, and then they drafted Zach Moss out of Utah, and then he looked like the better player. And you're like, okay, that, that clearly made sense. But in the end, they just it seems like they give him a quick look, and then they they give him a quick hook, even quicker. But, but
1: I totally agree with you, Matt. They it's for for a team that was so scary on offense last year. You watch them this year, and they just I don't know how many defensive coordinators are scared to play the bills right now? And that's with Josh Allen and that's with the potential for him being a running threat and having one of the biggest arms in the league. And as good as Diggs is, I feel like because of his size and because of the lack of guys around him, I I feel like you can scheme it up against him. Like I I don't, I just, I just feels like they're pushing a boulder uphill offensively, which I I just didn't see coming into the season. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because
0: was there ever a game that Josh Allen needed to run more than the game against the Patriots. Like that was, for me, I was like, Josh Allen's getting 10 plus carries this week and there's no question about it. They threw yeah. the ball a lot. And I don't even think Josh Allen played that bad. I thought no, Josh I Allen so. actually played well, you know, considering the elements. Totally agree. Yeah. So I, I think that part of the reason why, I know that a lot of teams are now playing too high safeties on them. Like I, I understand that they've schemed that and they're taking away the big play. That's what they did against Kansas City. It's the same thing. But I also believe that if we look at the numbers, Josh Allen is running a heck of a lot less than he did last year. Last year, this offense was absolutely humming because Josh Allen was running the ball. And what happens when you run the ball? You have to commit another defender into the box to spy on the quarterback, which leaves what open? Maybe they got to drop a safety down to spy it leaves more room for the big play. They want to keep Josh Allen healthy. I get it. Because if Mitch Trubisky starts, the season's over. I understand. (laughs) But the other thing is, too, is Josh Allen's also gotten better at not taking as many big hits. We've seen it this season. He slides a lot more. He's he's still really clunky a lot of the times when he slides and it's scary. But I think that's the missing ingredient to this offense because once, once you have the threat, of a running quarterback, because I don't think that teams look at the bills and say, I'm worried about Josh Allen running the ball because we haven't seen it enough this season. So I, I think that if they were to do that a little bit more, just even the threat of Josh Allen being able to run the ball, I think it completely opens up your offense. Yes. Listen, Lamar Jackson is a threat to run and, and he's, and I understand that Josh Allen is not as athletic as Lamar Jackson. He's not as shifty. I get it, but Josh Allen's a hell of an athlete. And if you have that threat to run, look at what, you know, Baltimore is able to do things on offense, even though Lamar Jackson's arm isn't nearly as good as Josh Allen's, but they're able to do things on offense that the Bills can't at this moment, like, you know, throw a deep ball to Gabe Davis or Stefan Diggs or whoever. And, Mm. you know, it's, I I just see that the scheming for Josh Allen just doesn't look the same. I know somebody just commented and said he has more rushing yards than last year. I get it, but he's not running enough in these games with the way that the offense is going right now yeah if they've taken away the deep play you got to open it up somehow
2: the appeal of 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 drafting a dual threat quarterback or someone as athletic as Josh Allen is to use it right it's not to it's not to shelf it otherwise you're taking away that element and I'm not saying they're taking it away but I think there's a there's a lot of credence to what you're saying there Matt give us a guy give us a guy on the bills who's more important to their success especially the rest of the season maybe it's someone in the secondary losing Tredavious White Love your safeties, by the way. I think most people do love your safeties. Yeah. But um, who, who's more important to their team success than people outside of Buffalo realize? Someone we could look, keep an eye out for Sunday at four p.m.
0: Well, I think I think you can look at at Taron Johnson and Levi Wallace as the two corners that now need to step up in the absence of Tre'Davious White. Um, those guys they're really good. Like Taron Johnson's the guy that made the incredible pick six on, on Lamar Jackson in in the playoffs last year. And he's one of the better nickel corners in the league, but now he's going to be given a lot more responsibility. Um, But the one thing, the one guy that I look at, and this is on the offensive side of the ball that I think that they need to get involved more is Gabriel Davis. Mm. He's that big bodied receiver who runs good routes and he makes he's his hands and his ability to make catches, like incredible sideline catches, and being able to get the ball in the end zone because he's a great red zone threat. I just haven't seen enough usage from him. Emmanuel Sanders' game has really tailed off from the first five or six games of the year. He was great, yeah. and then that's tailed off. Cole Beasley, they haven't been using a ton underneath. Dawson Knox has been. Great some weeks. And then, Ugh. you know, we see like last week where he had the two drops that you look at and go, like, he's got to have those. And he you had gotta, that problem last year.
1: Got to make those plays. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But Gabriel Davis has shown an ability to be a deep threat. He's been able to show that he can he can make catches that, you know, a lot of receivers can't make. And his snap share has been insanely low all season and i don't understand why he had a really good rookie year last year i think he had seven or eight touchdown catches last season um and i and i believe he had just shy of 500 yards or just over it was something around there for a rookie in an offense that cole beasley had almost a thousand yards stefan diggs had well over a thousand yards and john brown when he played still had a good season So Mm -hmm. I look at that and say, Gabriel Davis had a big year last year. Why haven't we seen that in year two? I know the snap share is down. I don't understand why. I don't know who he pissed off in Buffalo, but that's a guy that I would love to see get more involved in the offense because if he emerges as that really good secondary target for Allen, it might alleviate some of the pressure that Stephon Diggs is getting right now in which you can start targeting him yeah. 11, 12, 13 times a game like every other alpha receiver does because that's what he is. Like, yeah. Are we surprised when Devontae Adams gets 14 catches or 14 targets in a week? No. So we shouldn't be surprised that Stephon Diggs you know, should get that. I believe the number was he had – nine double-digit target games last season. This year, I think he had... And the one game, uh, he had eight targets and they they pulled him at halftime, which was the last game against Miami. So he would have had 10. And this season, he has like four or five. So wow. he's not even halfway there and more than half of the season's gone. So I, they got to get him involved more as well.
2: Sometimes you got to force feed him the pill. Like, uh, you know, in, in the Buccaneers case, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches. So Mike Evans, like I never get worked up about his target share because they got guys like Chris Chris Godwin and and Antonio Brown opposite him who, who, who they can share the ball with as well. Diggs needs some help, but I agree. You got to find a way to get the ball at least aimed in the direction of your best player, um, especially based on the incredible season he had last year. Won me two fantasy leagues, Maddie. So there you go. I know you're a fantasy guy. He
0: he won me. He won me my final week last year with that monster. So I mean, I know, I know what you're saying. It won me. A I had lot no. Of money. I had That's no awesome.
2: business winning that one league. So I know but, you got to get out of here shortly. So I I want to ask you first off if you got to give us a Super Bowl prediction. Okay, you don't got to butter up all these Bucks fans in here.
1: <laughs> Although won't, they would, they would like it. They would, would like, like it, it.
2: But no pressure. Who who do you think right <laughs> now? You get you get to do it right now.
1: That's a tough one
0: because I, I really do look at, I don't see a clear cut favorite on either side. Like would I, would I be absolutely stunned if uh, this is, this is going to really pain me to say this. And I'm like twitching, just thinking about it. But (laughs) if it were the Patriots and the Bucks in the Super Bowl, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised at all. But i betting
2: betting
0: favorite right now, but I'm not going to go there. I'm not going (laughs) to appease everyone. So I will say that I think from the NFC, I do believe that it's going to be the Green Bay Packers, and I'll tell you why. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to prove I'm still the guy here, and they've gone to two straight NFC Championship games, so we know that we know that they're good. Um, but you look at the way that that defense is playing; that's the difference for me. That defense looks like they can be elite. They get they get Jair Alexander back. That secondary is looking really good. Kevin King is finally playing well, which I thought I would never see. And that defensive line is really good. And offensively, they now have the the two-headed monster at running back because Aaron Jones isn't, go, isn't going away and neither is A.J. Dillon. You know, Jones coming back off the injury, curious to see what he does. And Aaron Rodgers has something to prove because he may just say, I'm going to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to say, later, I'm out of here. Send me somewhere else. The yeah. AFC is way tougher for me. Because I look at the teams and go, the Patriots do have holes because I don't know what Mac Jones, if the game is on the line for Mac Jones against a really good team in the NFL, I don't know what that looks like. The Colts are a super interesting team because I don't think that we've seen, I don't think we've seen the best of Carson Wentz yet, but Jonathan Taylor is that good. And I think that defense is really underrated. Those aren't the teams that I'm picking. (laughs) So I'm going to keep going down the list. I think the Baltimore Ravens are a fraud because the defense is so banged up. Marlon Humphrey's out now. They don't have Marcus Peters anymore. The running, like Devonta Freeman is the running back of choice there. I mean, how can, how can they go to the Super Bowl? So they're not the team. I think, and again, this makes no sense to me, but I'm going to go with it. I think it's the Kansas city chiefs guys. The offense has sucked almost all season. And the defense is finally playing well. And now we look at it and go, oh my God, they might actually be the number one seed after that terrible start that they had. Their defense couldn't stop anything. Now their defense looks like world beaters. The offense couldn't, all they did was score points and now they can't score points. I think that the offense gets going here because I think they're going to figure it out. It's it's Andy Reid. He's going to figure it out. They get the Raiders this week. They're going to score like 50 on the Raiders like they did a few weeks ago. I think it was like 40 three or whatever the heck it was so they romped them i think it's the chiefs uh, and and they're gonna get the number one seed and then you got to go through arrowhead to get to the to the super bowl good luck with that have fun
2: yeah bravo 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 maddie not for the result but for the process that was very well done <laughs>
0: i had to <laughs> i had to talk it. myself into somebody because none of it makes sense i didn't even mention the bills in there because i don't even know if they're gonna make the playoffs but well, that's a bu-
2: that, as, sorry scott before you go really quick i just yeah, want to no. say you picked the two teams that scare me the most as a Bucks Bucks fan, so that yeah. you know that that supports that there is a lot of logic yeah. behind behind your thought process there, um, especially in the NFC because I think the NFC is superior overall. I don't even think it's really close right now in terms of quality, of yeah, teams Personally, uh, right, but I I do think Aaron Rodgers scares the shit out of me. Scott asked me like a couple of weeks ago which quarterback you want to see the least in the NFC because you got Stafford, you got Kyler, a bunch of great players, yeah. Dak, but it's Aaron Rodgers, without a doubt, especially coming like he's not only is he pissed off at he's he's mad at Tom Brady and the Packers because of what the Buccaneers did for Tom Brady. He, he's not getting that same support uh, in Green Bay. That's part of the reason he's mad at the Packers. And then to, you know, add fuel to that fire. What happened in the NFC Championship on Lambeau Field last year? Um, it, it, I think he is so motivated not just to make it to the Super Bowl. But to make sure that he's get, getting farther than the Buccaneers, I don't know. That scares the hell out of me. And, and the Chiefs in and the, and the AFC scare me more than anyone else.
1: And, Sorry, and the, thing about, the thing about the Packers, no, I was just going to say is, like, all right, so if they get the one seed and they get to play their home, like they get to host two playoff games in order to get to the Super Bowl, great, you know, come up here. Obviously, Tampa disproved this a little bit by beating them last year. But whatever, they're at home, they're in the cold, they're used to it. But even if they have to go on the road, all right, then they're just playing in good weather, right? They they'd be playing like Dallas or Arizona or the Rams or Tampa. That's not a that's not a negative for them. It's it just seems like they kind of hold the cards in that situation because if they get to host two of those four other good quality NFC contenders, like that's a big advantage. When when you look at when you
0: look at cuz again, I watch I watch a lot of Green Bay games because Aaron Rodgers is my favorite player to watch that's not on the Bills. I love watching Aaron Rodgers. I think he's one of the greatest that we've ever seen. There's no question about that. But I think the difference is, is when you looked at that Packers defense last year, they sucked and they still got to the, the NFC championship game. So they weren't that good. They got the one seed and now their defense is even better than it was last year. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good recipe for success. And again, let's not forget, Everybody wrote the Packers in Green Bay off after that terrible week 1 loss to <laughs> New Orleans where like, "Oh my god, Aaron Rodgers is throwing games. The season's over. They're going to trade him before the season's done. Jordan Love is the best." And now it's like, "Can we really afford to not to waste this chance that might be our last with Aaron Rodgers?" I just think that the like I believe in narrative street in the NFL, and if it's not and, well if it's bucks and patriots i may not even watch guys i'm not gonna <laughs> lie like i can't do this to myself anymore no more tom brady no more new england patriots i can't do
1: it but and our you- chat has spontaneously <laughs> combusted <laughs> yeah, that's that's so strange that listen, happened that's weird. listen i'm telling you you guys have no idea what it's like to be
0: a bills fan like it, it was for so long that tom brady just it was it wasn't fun it really wasn't it's like oh here comes another loss oh here comes another division championship for the pats so i do believe in narrative street in the nfl and would it not be the most incredible off season if aaron Rodgers wins a super bowl and then says i think i think my time is done here i'm gonna go play in Denver. I'm going to go play wherever, wherever, trade me somewhere where I, yeah. Could you imagine Aaron Rodgers and Pittsburgh? Although that offensive line sucks. That's another, I. that's another story. It would be, that would be a hell of an offense. Maybe Chase Claypool would listen to him.
1: Oh Chase.
2: Oh, Chase. (laughs) So Matt, you've been very generous with your time, man. And we greatly appreciate it. I gotta, I gotta squeeze one in here just because you know, you're at the fan 590. We're, we're in, we're in Ontario as well. Um, and this weekend we've got the gray cup. I don't know what number it is it, here in Hamilton, where I am current, where Scott and I are both located, uh, uh, I think it's the
1: 487.
2: for, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe and yeah. we got, we got the tie cats and the Winnipeg blue bombers in the gray cup for any of our fans in Florida watching, which is most of the people in this chat, but who are you cheering for in the gray cup? And who
0: do you think wins the gray cup? So I I I I was a CFL guy when I was a kid, like the Doug Flutie Argos days. Um, and for me, I, I haven't watched it a ton, but I ha- I can't say that I want to root for Hamilton. I'm not gonna lie. Guys. like I'm sorry, but as a Toronto guy or Toronto area guy, I cannot root for anything Hamilton. It's just it's just ingrained in me. So as much as like I'm gonna root, I'm gonna root for the former Toronto Argonaut. The, he was a legend. I'm going to vote for Mike O'Shea. I that's I'm going to back the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in this one. I'm just not so sure that they're going to win. Mike
2: O'Shea, that real... that is the Zach Thomas of the CFL, folks. In case you're looking for a reference, perfect,
1: perfect yeah. comparison. That's a I think they shared shoulder pads actually.
0: How yeah. about <laughs> those shoulder pads and then and the and the, ne- and the neck brace? Like, oh yeah, the Brian talks too. like oh. Leighton, Leighton Vander Esch has nothing on Mike O'Shea's neck neck brace. No chance.
2: <laughs> or his actual neck dude are we sure it was a brace like <laughs> no he has
0: yeah, a big neck did he have he's got a great beard this... going too yeah oh unreal beard
2: well you, right you're you obviously got a soft spot for him you like dan campbell defensive players turn head coaches why not right
0: i i love dan campbell i i don't <laughs> I, everybody's like he's gonna get fired and i'm like have you seen that guy like that team's awful and they want to play for him every week i like coaches like that maybe that's why i like sean mcdermott guys i don't know
2: i'm a sucker for that stuff too but anyway um Matt, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been a real pleasure. Happy to get some insight onto the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully, all of the followers who support the Buccaneers were able to take some of this valuable insight that you provided us. Let us know where we can follow you and consume your work, man, because you're doing great work. And, I, and tell the listeners and viewers where they can they can find you.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Firstly, I uh, had a great time. Always, always love chatting football. So anytime you guys need someone, just give me a holler. But uh, you can find me at mar 89 on Twitter and at Front4, the number four fantasy on Twitter as well. We've got a podcast, a weekly podcast, uh, myself and, uh, and a buddy of mine, Jeff, as a party. Just try and have a little bit of fun. It's four topics and then a, a not so two minute drill. We try and keep the podcast <laughs> really short because um, nobody wants to hear me talk for hours on end. Uh, which I will be doing tomorrow on the fan from mm-hmm. nine to 12. And uh, yeah, we keep, try to keep it to under 40 minutes, four topics of whatever our choosing is for that week. But uh, yeah, check me out there. It's it's a lot of fun and, and would appreciate some downloads just to get this thing off the ground. Awesome, we got you, man.
2: man. I'll be tuning in tomorrow too, live on, on the actual radio. Or maybe I should wait and download the podcast. Maybe that helps you more. I don't know.
0: Oh, no. So our weekends and night shows are no longer available in podcast form. So you oh, got to tune in live, my friend. Okay. Okay. Come
2: on. Come on, Rogers. Man, how hard, like, how hard is that?
0: No, I get it. I get Shit. it. I know why they did it. It's it's fine. It's
2: fine.
1: It. Nobody wants to hear me talk for three hours, guys. Like, come Diplomatic. on. Oh. Diplomatic response. <laughs> I, I just got that exact text from my wife from the other room. So I get it. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. I get
0: it from my wife, too. Don't worry. <laughs> it's the world in which we live.
2: Thanks a lot, Matt. Uh, Good luck to your Bills this weekend, but not really. I hope for a good game, but no, not really. I don't. I hope it's a blowout. But I appreciate your honesty, your candor, and your insight, as mentioned. We'll talk again soon, my guy.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man.
2: All right. Quick. Switch this around. Here we are. All right. Well, that was awesome. Great to get some insight from from the other side. How about that?
1: That is a... That's about as thorough a look at at as at an opponent as uh, I got to think our Bucks listenership has gotten all year. Like th- they should be knowing what to expect going into this game now. That was awesome.
2: No question. And uh, I, I heard, you know, I've heard Matt on the radio a bunch, and I ran into him on Colorcast, and I was super impressed with his work. So I was like, man, we're, we're playing the Bills. Let's get this guy on. Never hurts to ask. So very generous of him to come on. There were some great comments here coming in, talking about the Bills. I feel like most of our Bucs fans here have probably had enough of it. One thing, Buster Rags uh, mentioned, Casey offensive line won't let them go. He goes on to say, (laughs) Casey offensive line is bad. No way. So, Buster, if you're talking last year, you're right, man. But they have revamped that unit, and they have added, like, three dynamic dynamic players. Um, And I actually think this is no longer a glaring weakness on this team at all. I love Trey Smith, their six-round pick out of Tennessee. Creed Humphreys graded out by PFF as the number one center. That's another. Um, he was their second-round draft pick. Scooped up right before the Bucs, which was a guy I had my eyes on. They brought Joe Thunny over, um, one of the best guards in football. They traded for Orlando Brown. They literally revamped the entire unit, and I, th- I really don't think that's a problem anymore. I think it's on the other side of the ball, personally. Um, Tapasio uh on youtube says the bills got out coached by belichick when we were talking about that patriots bills game i mean who isn't out coached by belichick yeah
1: most teams do right like
2: yeah not wrong but uh nothing new for any of us um anyway yeah so that was fun that was great nice to hear a little bit about the other team that we're facing um but there's some other we don't have a ton of time ourselves here scott but i mean there's some other things like I wanted, to, I wanted to discuss, like I, I like I mentioned it earlier, I teased it off the top, um, talking about comparing the NFC and the FC or just picking our real contenders. And yeah. just before we do that, two teams um, that I would think are real contenders, depending how you view the Rams, the Rams and the Cardinals are meeting in what is a massive game with uh, big implications for the NFC playoff contenders as the teams with the best records are obviously vying for that number one or two seed. So especially for the Buccaneers, right? If, if the Rams can beat the Cards, if they could beat the Cards, that's massive for Tampa potentially yep. getting a number one seed. Um, so, yeah, Arizona thoughts on that
1: game. Well, like first of all, I just can't wait to watch it. Like just general a Monday nighter with two real te- like real teams uh, in the division. We have the you know we have the payback factor after the after the Cardinals smashed LA earlier in the year. Um, I can't wait to watch it. I do think Arizona is the better team. Uh, just With with the banged up Stafford, um, obviously the loss of Robert Woods for the Rams, uh, and uh, with Arizona seemingly getting a little bit healthier, I do think that they they are the better team. So I I would expect them to win the game on Monday night. I think it's going to be a close one, uh, one score for sure. But um, yeah, obviously as you mentioned, boom, huge for the Bucks considering the Cards only have those two losses, right? So to get back uh, to get back into that one seed number one seed contention, we're going to need a Cards loss, right? So, hey, And this is a perfectly good spot. Arizona is only a two and a half point favorite. You know what I mean? So, you know, Vegas obviously thinks the Rams have a great chance of going in there and stealing a game.
2: And I feel like, I feel like the, like, well said, first of all, I feel like the cards have had a bit of a cakewalk, even when Kyler was out, like, it just feels that way. I don't, maybe it's just because they're that good, or maybe it's because they're getting a little bit lucky with who they're lined up against. I feel like we might be due to see a little something more from the Rams this week. I think they've struggled. Um, that's a team. That we've said throughout the whole offseason after they acquired Matthew Stafford, they scared the shit out of us, especially with with Matthew Stafford being there. Um, But also a team without depth, right? Star power in the NFL. Almost like a super team in the NBA, except there's a lot more than five spots. You got 11 spots on both sides of the ball. Um, So that being said, I think maybe we underrated the Robert Woods going down. Like, that's not one of the names. We're talking, what if Donald goes down? What if Ramsey goes down? What if Stafford goes down? What if Cup goes down? But Robert Woods is kind of that glue guy for that team. Also highly productive, of course. Um, what, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Oh, but totally.
1: Maybe, I, yeah. I. By the way, like, I'm staying away from this game. I because I would like to lean cards, but I'm with you. I think this is a prime spot for the Rams to jump up and 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 just play awesome and win this game and kind of shake anything from that three game losing streak, right? Uh, I think that's totally possible, year. Um, yeah, I, like like I said, I just can't I can't wait to watch it. It's huge. It's huge for that division. Obviously, it's huge for the whole NFC. And like you said, I I'm sorry, I I totally agree about the cards. It just feels like it's been too easy for them. And I don't mean to say that to take anything away. They're nine and two, like or they're ten and two, like that's Good for them. They've earned it. But it feels like something has to happen here. And this could be a spot where it finally does. That, uh, hey, that's not going to knock the cards out of contention. That's not going to, you know, oh, they've been frauds the whole year. Nothing like that. But if someone wanted to make an ar- like an argument for the Rams just sneaking in, playing really well, and taking this game on the road, I would totally listen to it.
2: A couple great games, right? Bucks-Bills, like, that's going to be a fun game. Those two teams are, have a lot of similarities. The more I've broken down the Bills. Um, yeah. On paper, like, so – We're kind of under. I don't want to talk about the Bills anymore because we've done that enough. Um, But (laughs) on paper, on paper, they're the elite of the elite um, on the defensive side of the ball, and I think we agree they lack some of those offensive weapons. So that's a big disparity between the Bucks. But anyway, that game, Bills, Bucks, and then like we're talking about money, like that's a couple fun games. We're we're owed a couple of these games. Last week I was so hyped up for Chargers Bengals, like that was the game I wanted to watch. You know what I'm saying? So let's get a couple more powerhouses, not necessarily up and comers. Um, Jeffrey Olson on YouTube says, I am so torn. I want the bucks to get the top seed, but I think the Rams are the biggest threat to the bucks. So I want them to get the hardest path. So I disagree. I totally agree with Matt, our guest earlier in terms of him predicting, um, the Packers to make it all the way. I'm scared shitless of the Packers more than anyone else. Um, I'm, I'm probably more scared even of, uh, I don't know cards. Maybe I'm more scared of the Rams than the cards. I don't know. That's kind of a toss up. For but me. the
1: Packers, distinct number one for
2: you. Dis- distinct for me. Yeah. It's not even close. The Packers scare the shit out of me. Yeah. They're um, awesome. So I want that number one seed. I want that home field. If we match up in the NFC championship, I don't want it to be at Lambeau again. We're not winning there at Lambeau again. Not to be a pessimist. It's just not it's, realistic. It's hard to do. Yeah. Not against Aaron Rodgers. Um, and again, Matt Marchese, our guest earlier, who was fantastic, by the way, uh, talking about Jair Alexander coming back. That is a top five corner in football they've been playing without. Um, they drafted a corner out of Georgia, Eric Stokes. He's not playing the greatest, but he mentioned um Kevin King's playing better. And we haven't even talked about David Bakhtiari, who's who's like gonna be back, right? Potentially yeah. one of the best left tackles in football. So that team yeah. isn't fully healthy either. So let's not, you know, be all woe is me as Bucks, Bucks supporters. Every team's dealing with shit. And that team is looking like a problem. And yeah,
1: whatever happens, the bucks are going to have to beat a handful of good teams to win this thing. That's just the way it is. There's a lot of good teams at the top and that's just how it's breaking down. No one's going to be the clear cut number one team or a huge betting favorite, anything like that. The chiefs have come back to earth in terms of like a full league wide scope with them being in the AFC. And, um, they're going to have to beat some teams wherever they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to do it just like last year. So we'll see what happens. Obviously they prefer to play these games at home, uh, stay in Florida and, uh, and, you know, go from there, but um, lots of interesting games, uh, you know, only a few weeks left, but a lot of interesting matchups between these contenders. And um, yeah, I mean, Rams cards, bills, bucks. I can't, I'm really looking forward to watching Niners Bengals, Cause I want to see both, Debo's health and Burrow's health to see what goes on with both those teams for the rest of the year. Cause you know, those are kind of the, you know, the the, the biggest cogs in both of those engines. Right. So um, two teams fighting for playoff spots. Browns Ravens is obviously super interesting. They just played two weeks ago. Then the Browns had a buy. Now they play them again. What a weird scheduling quirk that is too. Right. So um, some good ones this weekend, some duds this weekend, Seattle Houston, good lord. No thank you. Um, but the top end of this of this slate is gonna be awesome to watch.
2: Absolutely, man. And like we got to get out of here really quickly. Um, in terms of like the contenders, like so I think no doubt contenders card in the NFC, Cardinals, Buccaneers, Packers, Rams and Cowboys is kind of on the fence, right? Cowboys have really shown sh- not not looked how they did a few weeks back. And, big one for
1: and- Big one for those two teams this weekend too cuz I I'm totally with you. I think they're I think Dallas is has a high ceiling, but I would have put them in the same tier as those in those top 5 teams in the NFC for the first 8 or 9 weeks of the season. I do think they're a lever below now. I think they would really need to upset some people to to go on a run here.
2: Agreed. So so let's call it Cardinals bucks Packers. The most legit yeah. 3. It's one of them coming out of the NFC. And then in the AFC Um, you know, everyone's talking about the Patriots and I understand why, but if anything, like the, the fact that everyone's talking about the Patriots, I know they've been solid and their defense is elite. I'm just not sold. Like to me, it's still chiefs. Like, so you got Patriots, chiefs, Ravens, Titans, bills. Uh, To me, it's the chiefs or the bills. Like, like those are the only teams. And I know we talked about how bad the bills are. This is shaping up to be a really cushy path for the Kansas city chiefs. Um, and it scares the shit out of me, as I've said.
1: This might, say, yeah, I totally agree. I think the Chiefs are for sure the favorite. I I'd have to look at some schedules and everything. I think the Chargers just from a team that has the ability to get hot and you know, we all know Chargers going to charge her and do whatever, who knows. But there's like there are some teams to climb, right? Like some of the teams at the top are not piling up wins and I, you know, they have the Giants this week. You got to figure you can lock that one up. I don't know. I'm just, like you said, if it's open, I don't buy the Pats as the, this like juggernaut favorite, not even close. Like I would take Kansas city, but if you're looking for a bit of a longer shot, I think the Chargers have a chance.
2: I totally agree. I have the Chargers right below the teams. I just mentioned. I didn't even mention the Titans. Cause I, I'm just not a believer well, they, or the Ravens. I like the Chargers better than those teams. Um, me too. To yeah. So we're in agreement there. And in terms of the Patriots, Yes, Belichick, that defense, they're going to do with their thing. But Mac Jones isn't Tom Brady, at least not not yet, and I highly doubt he, he ever will be. Um, but I'm just saying, in his rookie season, no, it's not happening in the postseason. Not happening.
1: No. No.
2: No, they're go. not. No,
1: it's. I agree. Sorry, I agree. Not, they're not going to beat Mahomes. They're not.
2: What a Canadian, eh, folks? He's apologizing for agreeing with me, right? That's the epitome of Canadiana.
1: Listen, I just want to apologize for that apology. All right. I'll <laughs> obviously I was out of line. And I'm gonna come shovel your driveway later. So you, here we are. You're Thank welcome. You. You're
2: welcome. Well, folks, um, it has been real. Nothing like some Friday night banter. We had a great guest from behind enemy lines giving up some giving us some insight on uh the Buffalo Bills. Should be a fantastic game. I'm feeling good about the Bucks. I know you are Scott, an unbiased you like the Bills plus or sorry, minus three anyway, right?
1: I like the Bucks minus a three this weekend. I like it like thirty-four, twenty-four. Um we were talking off air, you know, minus three. That's they're calling these two teams a pick 'em on a neutral field. I don't know how anyone who's watched the Bills in the last month could possibly or watch these two teams last month could possibly think that uh I think the line should be closer to five and a half or six. I think you're getting some free points. Um I'm I I love Tampa this weekend.
2: You heard it here first, folks scotty capron scott spots pre-game pre lamb lay, pre-game, lay Play the lumber that's folks
1: when, that's when you know
2: all right if you know a, you know if you know you know have a great weekend everyone uh, listeners viewers on bucks report our bucks banner audience and everyone else uh, if you didn't catch us live uh, you can always download the podcast uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or watch it on our YouTube channel. We really appreciate subscriptions. So head over to Bucks Banter's YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at Bucks Banter. Lots of good Bucks and NFL content coming out on the regular as we head down the home stretch of the 2021 2022 NFL season. I'm your host, Colin Hallboom, joined by my co host, Scott Capron. Peace. Later, Bo.